What makes Schema the number one selling powder coating gun manufacturer in the West? Is the China myth true? There's a new sheriff in town. Today we head out on the open range with reps Jason and Blaine as they wrestle up some micro amps, powder clouds, and KVs to help you aim for the perfect gun settings. We'll cattle drive the costs of powder guns and chew on tough questions about where workforce needs and innovation will come from. Sit around the campfire for a while as we show you how one particular Texas gunslinger is solving some industry needs without the help from big corporations. Saddle up, partner. We're about ready to ride out. Get ready to level up your powder coater game. Welcome to the Powder Coder Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Scott, where we talk about trending topics, interview influencers, and on occasion, have a powder coating supplier, uh, gun manufacturer show up here and there too. So uh, today, I'm really excited to introduce our two two guests, not just one, but two today, uh, Jason Schroer and Blaine Scheidemann. They work for GEMA. And I just want to introduce them and welcome them to the show. You guys? Well, thank you for having us, Kim. Nice being on here. Yeah, it, it's been great. Um, tell us, Jason, what exactly do you do for GEMA? So I am the uh, Midwest, I guess you could say, territory manager for GEMA. My uh, goal is to help uh, my distributors sell my equipment. So if they don't know everything they need to know, kind of go out there, do some hands on with them, make sure they're talking about the right products or helping other manufacturing companies uh, pursue their automation needs. Awesome. Okay. And Blaine? Uh, I, I cover for Texas and uh, some of the states around it. I do the same thing that Jason does. I'm a territory manager. Um, I got started on the manufacturing side. Uh, I was in manufacturing for about uh, almost paid. And my last role, I was supervisor for some of the largest lines in the country. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. It's just a, a milestone moment for me to have you guys on the show. And I really do appreciate it uh, because it, it's, it shows that your company has a stake in the custom coder community. And I think that's really, really important. I get more excited going to mom and pop shops or people in the garage. than I do go into these big, John Deere manufacturers because I like to watch you guys grow because you start out in your garage, then you get into a three employee, maybe five people. And then like you said on the show, you grow to where you've got 50, 60 people with an automatic line. And I like it when you guys started out and you grow all the way to where you're making a couple million dollars in sales throughout the year. It's, it's just a great process. It really is. Cool. Random. What's the day-to-day -day life for you guys on the road? I mean, what's the day-to-day -day life for you? How do you start your day, Jason? And then I'll ask Blaine the same question. So normally, um, Monday, you're probably planning out with your distributors where we're going to go. Uh, we set up a game plan, whether it's going to be this week, the following week, or three weeks once we can make our schedules uh, all work together. Um, we try and set up multiple accounts in that week that we're going to go out. 
you know, they may be across the street from each other, or they may be two or three hours away from heading to. And then we normally like to find out a couple of cold calls of accounts that we think are powder coating, or we know are that are using competitor equipment. Mm -hmm. We try and introduce ourselves and get our foot in the door. Um, and then other than that, it's just traveling. That would be probably 50% of my job is just driving or flying to those places. And then once you're done with the day, you get back to your hotel room and you're probably doing proposals till 10, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. my. We'll be, I'll be having a beer and I'll be calling him at eight and he'll be like, hey, what about this vent hose and this, you know, because we make a lot of different things. Right. You know, we, we make some big, and there's always a, well, in this case, because of this thing, you have to do this thing because of that. And yeah. um, there's always something like that. And I, I bug Jason, I bug the crap out of Jason. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, ta he's seen a lot of uh, different systems. So he's, he's helped me quite a bit on some of the minutia of retrofits and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that I would say that pretty much just describes what I thought you guys did uh, and stuff, you know, problem solve and just kind of like, uh, you know, people want to get the most out of their equipment because the equipment is so expensive. So they just kind of want to kind of keep it hobbling along and, you know, maybe you guys providing solutions or problem solving along the way. Right. To keep it going till they are ready to replace. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's always, uh, you, know, you always get those calls that are like, Oh, I need this right now. I got to paint this job or, um, you know, you get stuff like that. And then you get other people that are, um, well, we're considering something for 2025 and we want to have, you know, 30 meetings and, you know, it, <laughs> so we, we, we see it every, every which way. Um, yeah. We'll just meet you where you're at and be where you are and try to help you how we can. We had some pretty interesting topics, namely like what is the industry doing to help the workforce uh, myths about GEMA um, and, uh, you know, uh, just general stuff about your guns, you know, and why they are so well known, so highly requested. What What's the... Uh, what is the, uh, let's demystify these myths about GEMA or is it all true? Are the rumors all true? What are the rumors? Are they that good? Uh, you know, and that's, I think, you know, getting into that, right? You know, it's like uh, part of the problem is that you don't know until you know, right? It's very hard to get, uh, it, these guns are very expensive. It's not like you can just go down the store and get them, right? Um, and, you know, people tend to kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know when you're getting into this business, you, you just, you know, obviously you're evaluating pricing, you're evaluating equipment, you're evaluating the kinds of features and benefits that each of these guns manufacturers have. Um, and you're also evaluating your budget too, right? So, and you're in your level of, uh, your level of expertise. So it seems like these camp, you know, people get into camps, right? You know, I'm a GEMA person, I'm a Wagner person, I'm, you know, a Parker Ionics, I'm all the, you know, everybody is got their 
their gun until maybe they try a different gun and they go, wow, this is so different from, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's very hard to switch out unless you're moving to a new company or a new job shop. Um, and I guess that's kind of the way I see the industry. It's, it's, you know, once you know the gun, you kind of, you're kind of in that camp. You don't jump around very often. Um, but GEMA is definitely known for its, uh, broad marketplace um, and market share. So tell us why these guns are just so awesome. Well, I do like to say that our gun, I believe, is the best in the industry. Um, I believe a lot of it's our R&D on it. We do a lot of uh, research and development to where we're always engineering new equipment. We're listening to consumers, really, what your problems are, your struggle areas. And we take that back, that information, and we try and develop something that's going to fix that problem that you're having. And Blaine? Well, it, it would um, touch on what Jason really said. Are. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we, we have invested a lot more than our peers into technology. You know, Gama has really been a company of engineers historically. And, you know, about 20 years ago, I think we struggled uh, coming to market because we didn't quite have the marketing sizzle, uh, so to speak, but we knew we had a good product. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, we have gained market share steadily over the last 20 years until now, we can say we are number one in almost every major market. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of our data comes from PCI, where we uh, are submit our, our sales data, just like all the other manufacturers, to see the growth of the market. And we can see year over year, we're outgrowing not just the market, but we're gaining market share every year. A lot of it has to do with base patents and technologies. We're able to offer things that customers cannot get from any other manufacturer. You know, we've got a major... Um workforce shortage coming. Um, we need to start training a lot more people. And how do you, how do you see gun manufacturers, uh, GEMA, if you want to just talk about GEMA or just the industry in general, like where do you see that uh, them being a pivotal point in, um, you know, bringing the workforce to market, I guess, or, you know, increasing the workforce with all this, growth that's supposed to be happening here in powder coatings. Yeah, this was something we actually talked about in Vegas that I remember. Um, yeah, we we just started talking shop on, you know, there's trade schools for, you know, automotive technicians, but there's not really a trade school for powder coating. You know, yeah. you can go to a trade school to learn how to liquid paint a car, but not powder coated. Um, and my generation and younger, um, they don't really want to get into the industrial side. It's nasty business for them. Everybody wants to be an engineer or a banker or just find their millions of dollars on the street. It's <laughs> yeah, <that's Yeah>. true. <laughs> we, we have that to fight against too, right? Yeah. Myths and, and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, it, is it more schools then? You just building schools and educating people? Blaine, is there anything you can touch on this? Sure, absolutely. I, I think, you know, powder coating's sort of a niche industry. Um, 
Uh, I think if you walk up on the street to a random person and say, what is powder coating? They're going to say, what, like donuts, powdered sugar? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's just um, not uh, something that ever, you know, if you're in manufacturing, if you're in fabrication or production of some kind, you probably heard of it. But uh, I think the best thing we can do, and, and I brought this up at the PCI, uh, we have a young uh, professionals meeting that we do. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think in general, you know, and I, I mentioned this to the Nordson guy, too, who I've known for years. Uh we just cannot get enough people in the industry. And I think we need to be going out to colleges and talking more about the technology, how there will be opportunities. Uh, I think we're also seeing more and more manufacturers looking for service and support from uh, from people like myself. Like when I say manufacturer, like a John Deere or somebody that makes something, um, they are having trouble finding people that can run their lines and they're, have seen a trend over the last 10 years or more, they are relying more and more on us to provide service and support and training um, that uh, my dog is out there uh, causing a ruckus. <laughs> so I <laughs> got a little distracted. But, You've uh, got dogs and Jason's got kids. I've got oh, yeah. nothing. I'm at work. Oh, I'm at I, work, work. You guys are at home, thankfully. You know, uh, it's no later kids in the at day. home. <laughs> no, they're all grown. Oh, good for you. My my oldest is 16 and uh <laughs> my youngest is 14. Oh um, my and, gosh. And yeah. Jason, Jason's like the Brady bunch. So what, what do you have? Uh, <laughs> got 13, 10, 5 and 4. Oh. Yeah, that's right. I remember you telling me that at the when we were having dinner getting to know each other. You know, I know. And it's funny that you're talking about this workforce because uh, it's been heavy on my mind lately. And I've been kind of asking a lot of questions. I uh, asked a lot of questions to uh, PCI. Kevin Corson was on the show. Um, I ask everywhere I go. And I think there's some solutions out there. People are, we're, we're talking about it now, right? You know, it's not something we can't ignore anymore. Um, I, I tend to take a different approach than maybe industry, just because I am a, you know, we're in the custom coder market. So it's different from, you know, these companies that have hundreds of employees and do line systems with automated GEMA guns and stuff like that. You know, sometimes, and, and, you know, you're, you're, we are up against a new group of kids, let's just call kids, young adults that have different drivers than maybe our generation or, you know, older generation people do, right? Uh, they just have different drivers. They are a they, certain, certain um, things motivate them different than, than us, right? Maybe it's more about creating better access to to high priced guns, <laughs> um, you know. And and here's the thing: it's like Gema's everywhere, but it's hard to get the product right. And I don't I don't want to bite too hard on that um, because it's not just Gema; it's Wagner. It's Parker, it's Nordson, it's all the major brands, which opens up a marketplace 
or an opportunity for lower price brands to kind of fill in that gap, albeit small right now, right? Um, if you're an entry level coder, you're probably starting with a, you know, a, a Harbor Freight or Eastwood Gun, um, and then after you go through that, then you're moving up. You know, you want you starting to look at these higher priced quality guns. You know, you want one. Um, and I'm sharing my my husband's story here, right? We all started. A lot of us started with Eastwood guns um, because it just these other guns were just it didn't seem to make sense, right? You know, how do you learn? And and actually, to be fair, we did have we did buy a Wagner gun. I think he got access to something on the on the you know like a used one, and it was so complicated because he didn't know enough about you know, amps and KV and some of the other stuff, you know, that you need to know uh, to run the gun powder cloud and uh, back ionization and stuff like that. So he actually kind of backed off on that and then went to a, uh, a you know, an intermediate gun, um, which I think it was the cool coat from Columbia that had just rolled out. I mean, just rolled out that he ended up buying and it was only like a thousand dollars. It was affordable. And, um, and then he ran through that and then he was ready to kind of get back into the Wagner. And by that time he knew enough. So there is this correlation between knowledge and of the gun and how it runs and how powder coating works to the, either the budget or the capability of the user, right? So there's this, you know, Deanna, you know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, I, I want to backtrack a little bit to anyone that is watching this and is having trouble getting a game of gun. Call me. <laughs> We'd be happy to do a demo. So, uh, you know, if you're ever having trouble looking for a game on how do we how do we get a demo? How do we get our parts? How do we get um, you can go to our website and then you can look up or buy your zip code. If you're in the United States, you're a distributor. And that's really the best way to get access to us um, in terms of. Why is it difficult or why is it restricted? Why can't I just buy this at Home Depot? Um, we like to follow up with service and support and knowledge so that people know how to run our guns. So if you are interested in buying a game of gun, we'd have a distributor come out and do education on how to run it properly, uh, what the wear parts are to watch. Uh, we would explain the, the five-year warranty that we do. Um, all of those things are very important to us, and that's why we maintain exclusivity in the market, so to speak. You know, when talking about difficulty of finding, um, we just want to make sure that every customer that buys from us understands how to get the most out of the gun because it is uh, a significant investment. So we want to make sure that they get the most out of their money. I, I think Blaine nailed it on the head. Um, we have all of our distributors are certified on our equipment. We um, having our policy that they are to be trained on the equipment before they can even sell it. Um, and actually in our policy, if they are going to sell one of our units, um, they're actually supposed to come out and do a demonstration. Well, maybe not a demonstration, but startup and training on that handgun. So the end user actually knows how to use every function. We covered it with them. Then there's a warranty card that we have them fill out to give you their five-year warranty on that unit from that day of actually hooking the unit up. So that's really what separates us from all the other kind of gun manufacturers where, yeah, you can buy a $5,000 gun from anybody else, but if you don't know how to turn the thing on and use it, 
what's that $5,000 gun going to do for you? Right. Yeah, right. We're really unique in the way we have structured our distribution network. Um, we partner hand in hand with our distributors. Um, most other equipment providers, if not all, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, um, the, it is a free for all for their distributors where distributors are bidding against each other. There's one and then there's another. And But what we have done is we've set up regions for our distributors and that allows them to have that trust that we're gonna follow hand in hand with them and help them grow in that region. Um, with that, we can now monitor their service centers, uh, make sure we're, we have you know A plus service centers, kind of like your dealership for Ford. I'm Ford, they're the dealer. Mm -hmm. I'll go and look at their service center and go, you know, you guys are doing a great job or hey, you might need some more education on this part or this and these are high level technical things that have nothing to do with a, uh, it, what goes on in a job shop. But, you know, it, 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 just our commitment to our distributors, I think, has been key to our success in this country. Okay, well, I'm going to share with you um, right now. I'm going to bring it up. Uh, so I know that you can, it's not that you can't get parts, replacement parts for GEMA. Um, and you can get them for all the other major brands, too. Uh, one of the reasons, you know, we're way out here in the boondocks, uh, mid, middle of the Pacific. So I'm not sure who's my territory, who's in my territory or a representative, but. Um, that would be you know, Chris, it, Chris Butterfield is the game territory manager for you. Is he? Okay. Yes. I know there are uh, some people out here that have gemas and stuff. So maybe they, he comes and visits them. I haven't been visited by anybody, but uh, would love the opportunity if it ever came up. Right. Um, okay. <clears throat> are, you, are you interested in buying a game again? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, okay. uh, I mean, we're interested in trying them all out. Right. Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be advantages to all of them, right, um, for whatever reason. And we do want to discover that at some point, you know. I think that that's kind of one of the mis myths about GEMA and also uh, the different brands. It's like, what is the difference? What, why, why, you know, and I don't think there's anybody out there that's done a, a comparative test against them all to kind of rate them all. And I think that that's definitely a need in the industry too, uh, uh, whether it be third party or something like that, you know. Um, but I wanna share with you a uh, an episode I did recently. And and I know I know that gun parts are available through GEMA. You have to buy through your distributor or through GEMA. Um, it can be kind of dicey though sometimes when something it, you know you don't have if if something happens you drop your gun your tips break whatever that's the usual common thing right um, and you you know you're kind of you don't you're out of stock or you don't have the exact replacement or you can't afford the exact replacement so. There's a gentleman that I interviewed, um, Scott Coates, and he's gone and done, um, uh, he's actually making gun tips for all the major brands. Uh, he started with GEMA because he is a GEMA user, and he created gun parts uh, for uh, replacement parts uh, that work on your guns and uh, several other guns. Um, so I just want to share this with you.
Let's see if you guys. I think this is, uh, is this a good one to show people in regards to the tips that you came up with too? Because you've got the tips now for, is it just the Gima guns this is or Scott any Coates. kind of gun? Uh, Can you it's guys just hear the Gima it? guns now. I'm working on one for the Omega guns, but I haven't had a chance to uh, uh, get that one finished yet. But yeah, here, most of my products are because there's a need for something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Now, I had I actually had had made a quick prototype nozzle, I don't know, probably a year ago, just playing around with my 3D printers, but I never really did anything with it. It's in the world of 3D printing, you don't want to try to replicate something that already exists. You don't want to duplicate something because it's usually cheaper to get something that's already made. True. So I never really pursued it any further. But one day my gun slipped out of my hand. And it damaged the tip on my gun. And uh, I told the wife, you know, go ahead and get another one on order. I had one, a backup in stock. Uh, put on the gun. Always our common practice. Keep something for backup. Once you use that, get another one uh, at right. the shop so we have it. Well, she calls our local rep uh, that sells the GEMA products, and they were no longer there. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not sure what, what happened, if GEMA pulled them or if the company that was um, the local rep pulled the department, but anyway, they disappeared. So, uh, suddenly I'm faced with the fact that we can't get parts local anymore. Uh, you know, if something comes up mm-hmm. and we need something in a hurry. So I said, well, maybe I should go ahead and finish developing that tip, uh, just so I have it in case of, a, of some kind of situation like that. And really just had, that was just for my own personal benefit at the time. Uh, but once I got to working on it, I thought, you know, there are some improvements that can be made here. And one of them is finding a different material that's more shock resistant. So I started pursuing that and uh, playing around with a bunch of different materials. People may think that I come out with these products and, you know, that that it just all happens easy. But it, it's no different than the, doing a two-tone wheel. I've spent a lot of time working on it. Uh, I printed probably... 40 of those out before I finally got to a design I was happy with. Uh, because once, once I start the process, I tend to find things that I, I like to change as I'm uh, going along the way. And one of them obviously was to make it more stronger and more impact resistant so it could survive a drop. Interesting. That's good. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I haven't bought the tips. Uh, I know a lot of people have, but I think it the video makes an important point that innovation is, you know, just like what you stand behind. Innovation is so much more important, you know, to continue on. Sometimes innovation can come from the bottom, right? Yep. Uh, can come sure. from the user. And yeah. I'm, I'm a proponent of that. Um, you know, we have our own products that out there that, are uh, coming from the same, you know, perspective, you know, uh, and, you know, as I'm watching this video, I'm like, hmm, I hope the Gima guys don't <laughs> come after this guy yeah. because, you know, he's actually solving a lot of problems. You know, maybe yeah. it was just specific in his region that the person didn't, wasn't local anymore or did you know, decided to stop selling game. I don't know. He didn't get into depth about it, but, um, you know, there was some interesting points about that, but then, you know, obviously 
would an impact resistant tip be more better for the marketplace? Sure. Uh, so, you know? I mean, if I can run with this for a minute, um, yeah. I'm not sure what materials he's using. Um, if it's 3D printed, my assumption is that it's ASA, um, could be TCGC. It could be a, a number of different materials. Typically, we use PTFE. Um, this allows for powder to not stick. We, we're more worried about impact fusion on the front of the nozzle usually uh, because that can affect your spray pattern and ultimately right. affect uh, efficiency. Right. Now, in terms of experimental materials for nozzles, um, I think that's an interesting point and it might be something we could learn from. I don't know. Um, but I like that he has identified a problem and if it is a major problem, and we see this with all of our customers, what we typically do is uh, start uh, engineering uh, design and we start uh, looking at how we can adjust to the market for new problems as they arise. I, I can't really comment on to what his technology is though. Because right, yeah, sure I mean, material. we're not using a gun tip from him, but you know, um, you know, again, this is the beauty and the, um, the why the reason why I love custom coders because and the custom coding market because we're constantly we're not gonna wait for the industry to deliver something because we're you know and this is the reason why we call it the voice of custom coding because you know we don't we we don't wait for the industry to 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 come out with something. We kind of just you know uh spitball it ourselves sometimes because we have to. We're just solving problems in the industry and if all this uh, podcast does is allow the industry to kind of maybe look to us to kind of hear us a little bit more, um, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing uh, because I think it's, it's in it, in it, and this is where my point is, is getting to that workforce uh, and, and, and appealing to a workforce that doesn't normally um, adhere to past uh, I don't want to say dogma. It's not dogma, but just like past understandings about how the workforce used to be, <laughs> you know, and how it is today. Right. Uh, and I, I think it's, there's a lot of upside when we can come together as a community to uh, problem solve many problems. And, that, and that's where I think that this price disparity and parts availability uh, problem uh, can get solved if, you know, could it be possibly that uh, this gap gets a little, this price disparity gap and this maybe technology gap gets a little narrower with like, say, a mid-level gun. I mean, there are mid-level guns out there already. Uh, people, uh, you know, China's coming out with them, not to say that they're great, they're not. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think there's some out of South Africa now. Uh, we've got local uh, North American brand as, you know, uh, brands like Columbia Coating with their cool coat. Uh, I think there's a there's a handful of others I, I don't even know that are out there selling guns um, and stuff. So, you know, I guess that was when we were having our beers at SEMA was kind of the topic that we were talking about, Jason was, is there, is, is the need great enough? And would, would GEMA ever? 
Game at ever cut price or level gun or try to, you know, try to bring that disparity a little closer. It doesn't seem like it with, you know, it, you know, but I just thought I have to ask the question, right? But, well, we can't really comment on future products. Sorry, Jason, go. <laughs> um, really with Gamma, we only want to offer the best solution. I think that's why we don't have a good, better, best gun. Um, we offer you know, different technologies to make a great gun even better, but we don't have that mid-level entry gun that that's kind of demanded right now. Yeah, I mean, everyone has a different place in the market. So our place is uh, quality and performance. That's mm -hmm. what we're going after. We're aiming to be the best, uh, the best service, the best quality gun, durable, high efficiency, all those things. And in that, we we don't make any sacrifices. Now, there are right. other brands that make sacrifices in order to meet those price points that are you know more habitable, I guess. But long term, we usually see uh, our prices may be. Uh, not at the $5,000 level anymore, uh, we see that customers are coming back. And like, you know, somehow we're still the largest chunk in the market, um, which I think is a testament to the quality and performance, our, our, our commitment to those uh, two values. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, you know, in answering the question, you know, how to solve a workforce problem, with gun suppliers using gun suppliers is like if there could be a strong mid-level gun in the marketplace could it help narrow that workforce gap i don't know that's yeah. the question right I, I think that the question is phrased you know my, my question would be uh, and typically in most shops that i go into if they're not using my gun they not always but Typically, they are spending more money than they should on powder. Now, there's a certain level sure. where you may not have enough um, volume in powder usage to, you know, like you're, you're a guy that's doing, you're buying the one pound baggies and uh, maybe you're a little slow. Like, let's say you do 50 pounds of powder painted a month. Mm -hmm. that, that, then it's really hard if I'm talking about points saved on powder used and Spare parts you're going through, you, you may not go through your inserts very fast. In that case, it's very hard for, I think, a game at a fit. But uh, I think it, my main point is just uh, we think we're making it uh, well. And it, for us to make anything substandard, we are just right. We feel like this is the price for a quality gun and. Uh, don't see ourselves now. If if we saw a lot of competition from a brand that could somehow uh, match us in performance, that that might be a different conversation. Then but, then uh, yeah, then the marketplace you know, has changed. Yeah, yeah. But Fair I, enough. I don't see the market. I really don't see the market going that way. Yeah, the technology has just gotten. The technologies that we're coming up with have just gotten so much better. I mean, it is. What happened twenty years ago to today? It is just night and day. How far. Yeah. Application equipment. Well, I think that, um, like, you know, in looking at the workforce, and I know you said, you know, you said earlier, you know, going to the colleges and, and you know, creating a like sort of a regional uh, testing or teaching center or something like that. These are all great, great points. Um, there's certainly not enough of it out there. And um, 
if it could be truly like not uh, leaning towards pushy sales, you know, kind of stuff, right? Because a lot of a lot of what's out there educationally right now is either if it's not coming from PCI, um, uh, it's it's you know we're doing a course and we're also going to sell you our product kind of thing. Okay. So that's, what's been namely out there in the currently or in, in, in the past. Uh, and, and that works for a bit, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, create a, a fair, a fair and unbiased, you know, uh, powder coating, you know, teaching powder coating. Right. Um, and I guess that my thought of it is, well, there's all these individual business owners, mom and pops like Ross and I out there, every, even Scott Coates out there every day using Gimas, using Wagners, using I Parkers, whatever they can get their hands on, used or otherwise. Um, there's already a workforce out there. You know, can we cultivate uh, them? You know, they're the ones that are getting up every day. Uh, they're self-employed. Uh, maybe they're still doing their part-time job and doing this in their garage or in a small shop somewhere. And who knows? Tomorrow's garage coder is, you know, today's garage coder is tomorrow's, you know, uh, big custom coder in their area. You know, I mean, that seems to be the narrative that all these industry magazines always talk about, right? Oh, it's just this guy and his wife and they started 30, 40 years ago and now they've got like hundreds of employees and stuff and they do all this great coatings and, you know, and they've grown their business and stuff like that. So with every generational coder that's out there, it, it they all started as a custom coder, you know, most of the time, you know. Uh, that seems to be the narrative that gets pushed on in the magazines when they're doing uh, biopic kind of stuff. Um, and and so it's, I just don't want it to be ignored. I want it to be maybe paid attention to. Maybe there's some solutions there to workforce through individual uh, entrepreneurs starting in their garage or in a small shop, uh, hiring two or three or four employees kind of thing. You know, maybe it can be solved there. Um, not maybe, uh, you know, at some point once they get past and they want to get into a larger gun or, you know, a, a, a more higher price gun, more quality gun like Gima, you know, then maybe we can, you know, I don't know, then they can kind of grow from there. Right. And, and stuff, but I don't know, it's, you know, I'm just trying to kind of, you know, shoot the breeze a little bit about it. Um, and try to solve industry problems right here and now <laughs> on the show. Okay. And I, I appreciate your world, world hunger next, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, good. I love it. I love the, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy every time I talk to a coder, a custom coder, I learn something because, you know, the day to day small business, um, wearing different hats and you're looking at all aspects of the whole thing. You know, not just where we are kind of, you know, on this equipment yes. track, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, there's so much that you guys go through as a small business owners. Um, and to be honest, I, 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 I commend you. I, I could never 
I, I tried to do the small business thing and I'm just a corporate guy, you know, I, I like to be special, you know, I, uh, so I don't know where, where I'm going with that. <laughs> well, it's kind of been a rambling podcast and I'm okay yeah. with that. You know what okay. I mean? Because I don't want any high pressure here. I'm just yeah. positing perspectives. That's really what I'm, you know, I'm hoping to, I want to show you what some other people are coming up with solution wise. Um, and that it's still, it can, you know, that it can still be, things can still be learned um, from the custom coder community, which is so micro compared to, I'm sure customers that you have that do line systems and automation systems that spend millions of dollars with you. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say, ignore those people. Obviously you wouldn't be in business if you didn't cater to those people. But I'm also saying that there is a huge community out there that is willing to share, willing to innovate, willing to communicate. If there was a uh, an ear uh, bent, you know, in that in that area, uh, I think we've done. I think the podcast is definitely um, a a testament to that, right? Um, and I hope that you know that it, it does bridge this community um, and it does bridge the gaps and helps solve some of these problems that will be you know, facing educational wise, workforce wise in the future, because it will, it will be a big problem soon. And I mean, it's great to know that GEMA is already kind of thinking about it. Um, and it's, it's great to know that um, custom coders are, are doing it right. Uh, and stuff like that. So um, let's see some of the other things I think I wrote down in my, okay, so let's go back to myths about GEMA. One of the myths when I first started getting into this business was the China myth that <laughs> Jason's already smiling. <laughs> I'll already say that is a 100% myth. Yeah. Even well, I, think, I think we can pretty much, and all I'm going to say is China, if you know, you know, uh, it's 100% myth. Um, and I'm happy that it is. And let's just put that one to bed on the podcast here and now. Um, let's see. What else do I have on my notes? Oh, you you told me. And I don't know where um, this was. I did. I wrote this note down and I'm like, what did I mean by that? And it's like, I think, Jason, you told me that you use the powder coating near me website that we have. I to did. search for new coders in our ter in their ter in your territories. Absolutely. When uh, times were a lot slower, um, I used to hop on on your website that you created. You punch in your zip code, and not only would it show me the local powder coating shops that I probably didn't even know of because they were like you kind of said, they're the garage coders. They're yeah, not doing a whole lot of volume, but they're out there, and that intrigued me to know what kind of gun they were using. So yeah. I used it as a lead source. That's awesome. And I can't tell you, I have to, sh I am so proud of that website. I'm going to get on that website. I'm going to be kind of doing a little self promo right now because um, this website just keeps blowing me away. Um, 
every day. I just got a notice from Google that like 500 people landed on this site. I'm not advertising. I'm not doing anything. 500 people are landing on this site every day using the site, searching for people. I have, this is kind of getting scary now because I have now nine emails I have to get back to. I haven't, these are inquiries that are coming in looking for, can you do this? Can you do that? Um, can you help me do this? You know, where do I go here? I mean, I can't even answer them all. I'm, I'm kind of kind of created a, a, a bit of a problem for myself because I now have to respond to these people and I don't know how to respond or get those leads to the people in my area. So <laughs> I need to kind of work on that because I had no idea it would get that way, get that far when I built it. Um, and it just keeps growing every day. So I finally fixed the email. So like you have to put your zip code in when you email me um, because that the next question is, is where are you coming from? Where are you calling from? Because I don't know where these people are. So we finally fixed that. And now I'm able to respond and at least search within the site myself or reach out to people I know in the area. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm glad that you're using it. And a lot of other people are using it too. So, and that, and it's the consumers that are using it. So that's great. Um, I'm happy that this uh, is working out so well. It's a great website. I'm sure you probably get a lot of questions where people saying, hey, can you stick this in your oven? And you don't know if it's who's ever in that area is going to have a big enough oven or not for it. Yeah, a lot of people just want to know, can I um, can I do this, you know, part or somebody emailed me about a radar system of some sort on a boat and he wanted he was in like upstate New York or, you know, somewhere not upstate New York, but like. Long Island, I guess. And um, he has a boat and he wanted to know if there was a coder. And I'm like, there were coders in that area, but I'm wondering why they're not getting discovered or what search did he do to get to find this, our site? So um, we're still figuring it out, but this this little site is just ripping right now and I'm, I'm super happy. So again, if you, you know, I'll spare the commercial inner break because we're going to usually promote this a web, you know, this website. But if you haven't added yourself to the powder coating near me directory, please do today because you might be getting a lead from us. Um, okay. Uh, so let's talk about uh, some technical stuff that I'm going to go into the weeds with because I'm not, uh, you know, I've obviously don't use the gun and don't have it in my hand, but uh, Jeff Hale, your um, he's like the he's like the director of marketing for GEMA, wrote um, an article in uh, this month's product finishing magazine. And it's all talking about current and voltage wind powder coating. The question was, I am a manual powder coater and want to know which gun setting is best better to adjust to adjust voltage or current. And um, it got a kind of a technical article there, but Ross had, he, I asked him to read the article. So he has, uh, a, he had some notes on the article and that is he uses a dummy proof setting, right? Depending on if he's doing automotive parts or architectural parts. So right now 
Ross's gun setting is at 70 kV with a current limitation of 40 milliamps. Um, and you can change from a soft to a medium or standby. Most small parts like lift kits, motorcycles, rims uses a soft setting and uh, larger architectural, he uses a medium setting with his gun. And then you just adjust the powder cloud. Okay. Is, um, is there a right or a wrong? I don't know. Comments. No, everybody has their own preference. Um, the way I like to explain it uh, is KV and microamps. Um, KV, when you pull the trigger, you can feel the electrostatic charge around you. It's that imaginary cloud. So I like to say, you know, if I've got 100 KV, I can charge, trying to show it here on the camera, I can charge this big of an area. Mm -hmm. uh, your microamps is actually saying how strong or how weak of a current I'm putting on that powder. If I'm doing a flat panel, I just want the powder to stick to you know my hand here. I want 100 kV and 100 microamps, so it just sticks to it. I don't have any Faraday areas. Right. Where now, if I'm doing you know something with the angle or a 90 degree angle in it, that would be what we consider a Faraday area. So we recommend you leave your KV at 100, so I can charge any powder that's in this field coming out of the gun. But I reduce the microamps because that's the current. And that's going to weaken the charge so the powder can go farther into the corner before it wants to stick to ground. That that's makes a great way to explain it. And visually, so for those that are watching the YouTube, they'll see. Um, so head on over to the YouTube channel to, to have him to see what he explained there with that one. Um, Blaine, do you have anything to add? Uh, we've always, I always try to use a car analogy. Um, I, I, I keep my foot on the pedal, but meaning KV, I keep it 100. But when I need to drift and slip around a turn or force into a Faraday area, I'm going to turn down my microamps. When you have drift and you're spinning around a corner, and you're losing traction, which is transfer efficiency in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you will lose a little transfer efficiency, but you're going to be able to overcome that Faraday effect by limiting current. So, you know, game is always, uh, maybe not, well, not always, you know, back in the day there, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, we couldn't control or nobody and nobody could, uh, control mm -hmm. UA. UA was just what happened after you did your KBs and you could kind of see where they were at. Um, liquid electrostatics had, uh, Amperage control before powder electrostatics did, and uh, it eventually migrated into our industry. So, are you guys getting into uh, the wood coatings part of it? Um, do you have guns for that now? Um, just random question, I guess, because it just seems to be everybody's promoting wood coatings now, or it's kind of a thing. Uh, are you guys having guns that are specialized for that? The, the gun does not change. We still use the same as you would in a regular gun. Uh, mm -hmm. There are some different technologies that we have to help with wood coating. Um, I know Blaine's got a, uh, a powder manufacturer right down in Texas that actually put in a new system that they have our equipment in there where they are doing 100% non-conductive coatings down there. I, so I don't think they're a powder manufacturer. I think they're an oven. They, they're an oven manufacturer. Um, Correct. So they, they, they make ovens 
and they wanted to show that it can be done and that was the hard thing it was like you know can you really do this and how do we prove you know because we know we can do it but how do we show them we can do it and uh they took this big leap of making a significant investment into so we have a wood lab in uh gainesville texas now uh not mine you know the the person who makes the ovens owns this facility um but yeah, it, it's it's fascinating, and there have been some uh, high-level uh, wood manufacturer, you know, looking at this system, watching. So it could be a, a thing in the future. Uh, I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be a game changer for the industry for sure. I think everybody knows that. Um, wanted to share that um, your product page again on the stream. Uh, let's see, let me get it up again. Um, you have also other guns though, like there's some other guns out there that you're doing, um, for different kinds of coatings. I think we had that up. These are obviously the robot gun, um, uh, is, you know, a lot of what you sell. Um, they have the Opti gun is what most coders are. Is it the Opti select pro? is the manual gun that everybody's using, right? When they order from you. Correct. So the one on the far left where it's showing the two guns, that would be our robot gun showing just two guns on a robot. Mm -hmm. It can be two guns or one gun. Um, That one that you're pointing on, that is our automatic gun. So normally those are either on a fixed um, stand or they're on reciprocators where the guns move up and down. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the one next to that is just a general picture of our OptiFlex Pro handgun or our GMO4. And then the far right is just another version of our automatic guns that would go on those reciprocators or fixed position. That is an enamel gun. They look identical. They just have uh, different insides because enamel powder is much more abrasive than your traditional organic powders. It's basically shooting glass out of your gun. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, oh, there's more, uh, what's this one here? Is it, oh, this is the manual gun for the enamel. Okay. Correct. And the tribo electric, can you kind of just explain that? What is. Yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 you know, back in the day it was, it was handy. It's the reverse charge. So we had a negative charge. What the tribo does is add a positive charge through friction. So the powder is rubbing against the tube. It's, it's rubbing. Oh, I got to get my camera, you know, and it's kind of rubbing <laughs> as it goes through. And uh, it it picks up a positive charge. The thing is, uh, Corona or what negative charge guns have just become so efficient that almost everything is done with a Corona gun nowadays. Yeah. So. I think we've covered a lot, guys. Yeah. Just I think on that. done well. Go ahead. Sorry. On that tribal gun, uh, basically, I like to add to it. It's kind of like if you were to have your socks on in your room and you rub your feet across the floor, touch a doorknob, you're going to shock it. That's the same thing what the tribal gun does. It just picks up that positive charge. Um, Right, right. Negative or Corona guns, we can manipulate that voltage a lot better than you can with a positive charge gun. That's really the two differences in technology there. Okay, great. Um, what? So, anything in the future for uh, Gima? 
Maybe. Sky's the limit. Can't say. <laughs> Can't, we, we don't want to create any more myths. We just want to demystify what's out there right now, right? <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I think all the people that I've met through GEMA, I mean, from I, you know, I first started with Karen Walters uh, through PCI because she's um, part on a lot of the committees and very involved in PCI, and then uh, met Jason um, at SEMA, who was part of that group. I'm so glad that I walked upstairs and said hello to you guys because I was just, um, you know, uh, it was just so nice to meet you guys. You you guys were so friendly, so nice. You already knew about me. I didn't have to kind of introduce myself. And um, it was just an exciting uh, week, I guess. Uh, and, and, and then we, um, and then of course, Jason interview, introduced me to Blaine. So, uh, so far, I like everybody at GEMA. I'm I'm sure I would like the gun too, right? Um, or at least my husband. He's he wants to try one for sure. I don't know how we're gonna get it out here, or how we're gonna set that up. But you know, we're we're game. So send it through the channels there uh, about trying it out. And I think that that says a lot about your company because it just. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, um, a lot of guys do use GEMAs um, and, you know, they just have, there's nothing really terrible to say about them, right? They're consistent. They don't break down. Um, you know, they, they stay, they have long lasting power, right? You know, they're, they're not going to quit on you next week. Um, I feel bad for a lot of people out there that want a GEMA, can't afford one ex necessarily. Uh, and so they compromise and get that lower end gun or get a cheaper China model or whatever. And I just, I have heard a lot of bad stories because people don't, you know, maybe make bad choices or, or have budgetary restrictions, you know, that uh, don't allow them to get a GEMA. But everybody that buys the real thing is really happy with your guns. Good to hear. Uh, it means a I lot would, coming from a famous job shop. Like, you know, you're one of the top shops in the country. So it, it means a lot to hear that from you. We're, we're grateful for, for your interest and having us on. Sorry, Jason, go. No, I would just encourage that if um, people are looking out there and you may not have a $7,000 budget, still find out who your distributor is and see if they have any payment plans. A lot of them do that to where they can, just like a car, you don't have to have eighty thousand dollars with them yeah i was gonna add that was gonna be my next question is you know financing or how do you you know most people just put it on a credit card then you know just pay it off that way but it is nice to know if there is um you know payment options through your distributors that would be ideal for yeah. sure those are those are distributor specific. So we don't really have like an umbrella financing right. company. We, right. we do, they they uh, will go with different banks and and how many distributors do you have right now or territories or how does it all work that way? I don't know exactly how many distributors we have set up across the US and Canada. Um, you know, we're always looking to fill voids that we don't know about. So we do set up new distributors every now and then uh, to cover an area we don't feel is being, uh, you know, just covered well enough. 
Mm-hmm. For instance, maybe we need to get somebody set up down in Hawaii. Yeah, maybe. I'm. I mean, <laughs> you never know. We could be selling to Guam, or we'll sell it back to China. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do. Yeah, we we got- do have an office in China. Do you? Uh, but that's wow. for sales. That's for sales. You know, we, we don't yeah. do any production. Um, China can be troublesome because they want to. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get calls that are like, "Hey, um, this circuit here has this much resistance, and why should we?" And they, you know, you can tell they're trying to reverse engineer what we've done. I was going to say that must be <laughs> yeah. what they're doing, right? Oh man, yeah. you know, they, they haven't figured it out yet. They know, can't help themselves. It's no. it's how they were trained, and we're the ones that trained them. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean it. In a sense, right? Yeah. We're, we're the we're, ones that made them do what they're doing now, so they, they we could buy their stuff cheaper. Now we're now we're going to make this a political podcast. I think we're we're going to we could and we have before <laughs> for sure. I mean, it wouldn't yeah, be a first really, here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and then we can talk religion. Um, yeah, talk, the, re- <laughs> the religion of powder coating. Oh, that'd be an interesting podcast yeah. for sure. Uh, well, uh, you got my mind thinking now. But there's definitely, I, I think there's definitely, um, I don't know if you want to call it spirituality, but there's definitely heart. There are people in this industry that will give, 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 uh, and and um, have so much more to give in their creativity and in their art, artist, artisticness, right, uh, that they deliver to this industry. That is bar none. I, I, you know, and I really do, they really do take powder coating to an artistic level uh, versus just the straight, you know, spray and pray kind of thing. Um, And I think that uh, I do admire a lot of those people in that industry. Uh, I think they deserve some um, credit for what they're doing and pushing, um, pushing the limits of guns, pushing the limits of powder, you know. It's crazy uh, what they can do. Um, you know, they're shooting it on mugs and stuff, and it seems so silly to, you know, it's just a mug. But, you know, I've never seen that kind of artwork before uh, to where they make it look like a sticker or a fade that just is, you know, on such a small product. Uh, you know, you wonder how they manage to get it to look like a spray, you know, like you shot a, you know, a spray can out of a spray can or something like that, or very graphic, uh, you know, street art kind of thing, you know, it's a beautiful thing. What can be done with your guns, right? Awesome guys. Well, I am so happy that, uh, that I've had you on the show today. I thank you for your time. Um, I thank you for your dedication in the industry and, um, always, you know, maybe just explaining a little bit more of the ins and outs of your side of the industry that maybe we weren't privileged to have that knowledge before, right? Or had curiosity about it before. Um, And I I appreciate your time coming on the show today. Thank Thank you. you again for having us, Kim. You bet. All right, everybody, if you have a question about GEMA, just drop it in the comments. Uh, We'll make sure to put that article from Jeff Hale in there about uh, the milliamps and the limitations uh, with your KV. Uh, It's an excellent article. I think you should read it. 
um, and uh, have a great day. Aloha. Aloha. See ya.